Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world. Bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors. Covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. Friends, welcome in. This is episode two of our spring series, and it's a special episode that you're going to want to spend some time with, especially if you live in parts of the country that are prone to severe weather. And honestly, that's more and more of the country these days as we see this uh, warm up overall. We're going to check in with two very passionate people about severe weather prep from the National Weather Service, Douglas Hildebrand, and from our own AccuWeather, AccuWeather for Business segment. It's Tom Bedard. They'll be checking in with me in our first Rays of Focus segment after we get the latest latest severe weather forecast from Paul Pasolak. And then we've got some wild weather heading into this upcoming weekend and the week beyond. Our forecast manager, Dan DePodwin, will join me at the end in our second segment where we look at the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond. Sit back and relax as we get you ready for severe weather season on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. When you talk about the term severe weather, it really has been pointing over the last uh, several decades in the United States to the weather that's promoted by thunderstorms that develop and create very heavy downpours, very strong gusty winds, and obviously hail and tornadic activity associated with those storms, creating millions of dollars of damage each year and causing fatalities. Now, the fortunate thing is we've been getting better over the years in terms of being able to disseminate uh, the information about rapidly developing thunderstorms that become severe and damaging and deadly, uh, but we always have room for improvement. And what we really need is, I think, a better understanding overall from people on what terminology and preparedness really means. So we're going to talk about that in our first Rays of Focus segment, but what I wanted to get done first was get kind of a lookout about how the severe weather season looks. We touched on it briefly a couple of weeks ago with our lead long-range forecaster, senior meteorologist Paul Pastelock, and Paul joins me again to check in on where we are in the severe weather forecasting. Well, Dean, we've been talking about severe weather since December. If you recall, we had two events, big events that took place, one in the Tennessee Valley and another one in across parts of the Midwest causing severe damage. And then we moved into January and we started off 2022 on an active note as well. Florida getting hit pretty hard near Fort Myers, uh, big time cold fronts driving the, uh, f- the uh, features there. And now as we get into March, we're seeing quite a bit of activity already in the month of March, and the rest of March expected to stay active above normal on the tornado count before the month is over here in March, and uh, a lot more severe weather to come with bigger systems coming in. The factors, La Nina 
is still hanging on a little longer. That means the upper level wind flow is still strong over the continental U.S. It's slowly retreating. That means that we one ingredient will still be there for the development of severe weather. The other factor is the Gulf of Mexico temperatures are running a little bit warmer than last year. Remember, recall February across Texas, we had the big surge of cold air that affected water temperatures over the Gulf. Slow recovery. This year, they've been recovering a little bit faster and they will continue to recover, and that will be another big influence into the severe weather season. And then we got to watch the drought. How much of the drought in the southwest will limit the amount of severe weather that takes place in the western plains? Right now, we still think March is kind of busy in Texas and Oklahoma, but that could change as the time goes on. So busy in March, April much busier than it was last April. And then as we get into May, Look for more action across parts of the Midwest, upper Midwest from MCCs, and then also kind of coming down with stronger cold fronts reaching the northeast during the month of May. The southeast, though, hit and miss, but it's more action as you get towards the Tennessee Valley and the Mississippi Valley. So severe weather season is on. It is going to be a busy one right into the early summer. All right. So I welcome in Tom and Doug. And we just heard Paul Pasolak's kind of overview of uh, what is going to be a busy severe weather season starting off early. And, you know, as we say in the business, it's going to be early and often this year. And uh, what really starts frustrating me, Doug and Tom, is sometimes as I sit here and I try to communicate as well as I can what the weather situation is going to be, I still feel like there's a lot of kind of confusion and not understanding warnings and what they mean and what people need to do to be action oriented in terms of uh, how to prepare I think sometimes they hear something and they make the wrong assumptions about it in terms of timing. And when certain things don't happen, then they kind of hold it against us and don't listen as much the the next time. And so, I mean, those are my frustrations. And I kind of wanted to spend some time with two people who I know are extremely passionate about communicating weather and certainly the hazards to people. And so, you know, am I alone in that frustration? Doug, I'll start with you. Uh, Or is that really the emphasis of why the Weather Ready Network kind of came into being? Right. No, it's a it's a challenge as uh, long as time. Right. Uh, Communicating, communicating effectively and really boiling down the message to keeping it simple. All right. What do we all do? Um, and being clear and, and precise and, and all of that, that. So I guess, you know, here we are kind of leading up into this into spring, and this may be sensitive to your, your baseball fans, but uh, it's sort of like spring training, right? You got to focus on the fundamentals. And from our Weather Ready Nation, you know, messaging, we really focus on three fundamental actions. And that is to, you know, know your safe place from various hazards, whether it's you know, more likely tornadoes or more likely, you know, strong straight line winds and lightning and hail from from just your, you know, your regular thunderstorms. Uh, And then have that multi-source strategy, right? That information is life-saving. What if your power gets cut out? What if your Wi-Fi? What if the the cell towers? So you really need that multiple uh, source approach. And, and not relying on the same technology and, and relying, you know, whether it's the weather service or, you know, commercial apps and, and other, you know, commercial services, you know, definitely have 
that mindset of multiple sources. Yeah, and Tom, I finally, think you know, that family communications plan, you may not all be sitting at home, you know, when that hazard strikes, you got to know where everybody is and who's picking up the kids. And again, making sure you have access to that uh, shelter. Tom, I think that is part of the frustration, too. I mean, I sit here and maybe because I'm a weather professional, I've got uh, all the apps and everything. And so, you know, in certain events, I get three or four or five messages that stuff's happening or about to happen. And so I feel pretty well connected. But I see other people getting that and I see people looking at that. Oh, just that's just another thing. And, you know, I'm not going to pay attention to that. What does that mean? And so I think it's up to an incumbent upon not only the weather service, but companies like AccuWeather to really kind of hone that message and figure out um, how we can make sure those uh, communication touch points are better, uh, better organized and and maybe even better delineated in terms of this is the action. This is what's going to happen. This is what you need to do right now or you need to do later today or whenever. The action, integrating that into the warning is is part of the key that we encourage businesses to do. When I'm working with a new business for the first time, getting their weather program set up, I do exactly what Doug's talking about. We encourage businesses to identify that safe place, have the fire marshal walk through, identify it, have a multi-source strategy, especially for communications and getting it out. It shouldn't just be a PA system. They should know how to get in touch with all of their employees. And then having a solid communications plan that integrates actions into those messages so that you're not trying to figure out you've got eight different tornado warnings from 35 different apps. Which one are you going to listen to? It's early in the season. Knock on wood, it's calm right now. Take time now to go through your weather apps, figure out what you need to get what you're going to listen to, and then cut out the rest of the noise. Because the worst thing you can do is start to ignore those weather warnings because it really only takes one to be a disaster. It really does. And then a key to this is understanding what those warnings mean. Now, when we're talking about severe, there's watches and warnings. All right. And I know to us, sometimes this seems very rudimentary, but it is still something I I feel is a confusion factor with the general public. Um, You know, we're all now firmly into Star Trek kind of laden times, right? Star Trek is all about, you know, when I was a kid, that was just when the first series was going on. And, you know, now we're we're, we're Star Trek. And, And to me, the watch is a yellow alert. When Captain Kirk sounded the yellow alert and there was enemies out there, they were lurking, but they weren't ready to attack. And then the warning is the red alert. The warning means it's imminent or it's happening. And if you're in the path of this and you're in that situation, you need to act. And and so that's kind of why I always think in my mind when I hear watch, I hear see yellow. And, you know, we draw the boxes that way. So that's pretty good, right? Boxes now for severe watches, which are usually over a, a huge area. It's a, a large area. And then the National Weather Service pinpoints and then even um, companies like AccuWeather, we pinpoint more localized warnings for those events as we go through. So, I mean, is that, Doug, in, has that been something the, the National Weather Service has tried to do? I know we've gone away from just warning whole counties. We're very more uh, focused on where the warnings are, more polygons. Although sometimes I, I find that can be confusing a little bit to people mm-hmm. because they don't know what part of the county that they're in or or so. So it's 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 a hard line. Um, but talk a little bit about the way the National Weather Service has tried to work on watches, warnings and their and their communication. So you, you touch on on one of those uh, strategies, which is color. Right. We all have that sort of green, yellow, red, you know, mentality since we're very little. 
And so, yeah, that, that yellow is equals that watch. Right. And, and there've been a lot of creative ways, especially over social media of, of like how to, how to remember watch from warning. Uh, one of the metaphors we like to use is, is, you know, your cake that's, you know, beautiful looking and, and in its finished product is that warning. But the ingredients, right? So when we're talking about a watch, especially severe thunderstorm or even tornadoes, the ingredients, those meteorologists can identify everything that's needed for a tornado to form. And so when there's a tornado watch or a severe thunderstorm watch issued, think of that cake in terms of its ingredients, the eggs, the flowers, the, the chocolate, you know, everything separated, the ingredients are there and then if by chance it you know fully bakes it becomes that cake so we're using creative ways to communicate you know watch from warning uh as far as you know our our counties and our polygons you know it, it is a struggle we're always looking to improve the science and improve the social science in you know reducing the false alarm rate right so the bigger area that you're you're either you know creating a watch or a warning the more likely that some people in that watch or warning are not going to see the severe weather, right? So we are always looking to reduce that area um, as small as possible. That's why we've we've moved down to polygons. Our our researchers in NOAA are looking at you know something called a warn on forecast, which is you know more like a headlight out in front of you instead of a a polygon shape. And so you know I, I see the next decade of Weather Ready Nation. We're entering our second decade as really promising on this front. And of course, some of it, I think, has to go with history, as you said, Doug. And, and Tom, I, I kind of feel like the the hit rate for warnings are so much better than, say, even just five, ten years ago. So when you're getting this situation, when you're getting this information, especially that warning, whether it's for a severe thunderstorm or uh, squall warnings now are become much more, uh, uh, you know, the vogue and I think are very uh, uh, certainly uh, uh, really welcome because we I'm seeing more squalls uh, as we get more convective. I think our overall weather across the lower 48 has gotten more convective as we've seen this climate change and this this warming that we're seeing and that we're going through. So, I mean, the, ob the opportunities to convection are there. We're seeing, obviously, this spring is a lot of opportunity for extreme convective events that, uh, you know, will cost lives and property and damage. So I think what people need to get over, Tom, is that idea that, oh, it's a watch. It doesn't it's not going to affect me because I think the science has gotten so much better that these watches and warnings are certainly much more effective. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, today's storm is not yesterday's storm. Today's weather forecast isn't yesterday's weather forecast. We have gotten incredibly accurate with forecasting and warning through the past decades, especially in the past 10 years. And we just launched a new weather satellite the other day. Things are changing rapidly. And, and in a business environment, if you're a, an EHS, environmental health and safety leader, a business continuity leader, an emergency management or preparedness person, whatever your title is, if you need to make sure people survive their workday, 
don't disregard a warning. You're not qualified unless you're a meteorologist to say that warning isn't pertinent to my location. So if you're within that National Weather Service tornado warning polygon, go to shelter. If you feel like you need something different, if you need to get more pinpoint, then look at the private sector, but use what you have in front of you. If you've got those National Weather Service warnings and you're in that polygon, that polygon is a lot better now than it was 20 or 30 years ago. So trust your gut and shelter when you see it. You know, as I look at some of these statistics, Doug, we're having success. I mean, you look back um, this last 2021, and we've had folks from the Lightning Safety Council on here over the last couple of years, and I know they've been really, really kind of uh, putting the onus on trying to reduce the number of lightning fatalities. That was at a record low in 2021. I know we worked with NHTSA over this last year here at AccuWeather uh, to try to help uh, reduce the number of pediatric vehicle deaths from uh, extreme heating in, in the cars. And that's saw a drop of 50%. And, you know, we've seen storm surge deaths going down uh, because of that lead time warning and uh, people understanding what the storm surge is all about. I think there was uh, some mystery in that and not understanding how dangerous it is. So we're making progress, Doug. Um, You know, there's things we can do to continue to make progress. And a lot of it is just, as you say, a lot of the times just getting back to basics. Um, You know, I remember as a kid, you know, my dad would say, we're going on a trip in the winter. We need to make sure we have everything in the car we need in case we get stuck. I think so many people now don't take this seriously enough to understand that there may be a day in the near future when they're faced with a weather situation is going to cause them to have to be out of their box in terms of the way they normally uh, operate and they're going to need some things like flashlights batteries a radio versus the electronics that you hold in your hand i mean you're going to need something to be able to get the right information Absolutely. And, you know, one of, the, one of the things that we're seeing, Dean, is, you know, when you get out of routine, bad things can happen, right? Like, like inherently, as, as human beings, we love routine. We love our habits and just going through our day. What we've been seeing with these, you know, pediatric, you know, vehicle deaths and extreme heat and, you know, horrific stories of children in their backseat, you know, being left behind accidentally is it's a, it's a change in routine. Right. And so we're all of our message is, you know, really focused on making sure you have that, you know, that little memory device, whether it's your wallet, even your shoes in the back seat, things that will be like, hey, wait a minute, you know, I got to check the back seat. I'll also point to improved uh, technology, even with the automobiles. We have a minivan here in our home. Mm-hmm. And the minivan, once you turn off the ignition, it has a little alert, check the back seat, and it has a camera right facing the, the back seat. That that's not always available, but more and more cars are are having that feature. But it's it's getting out of routine. The other part of getting out of routine is when you as a family uh, or an individual are traveling to another location, right? You're out of your mm. home environment. So right. these beach safety, the the rip current deaths that we're seeing. It's not the locals who are used to all of this and that's their routine. It's these people enjoying their vacation, but not taking the time, doing those fundamental checks, getting close, you know, talking to the lifeguard, making sure everything's safe and not assuming just because I'm on vacation, nothing bad's gonna happen. Which is where a technology is filled in and, and, and created a, a better situation. I mean, you know, if I was traveling, I remember the first actual tornado I saw from a very big distance. We were driving up and down 
uh, a lot when my brother lived in Biloxi. So we were going through Georgia. But, you know, at that point, this was back in the in the uh, 70s and 80s. We, you know, you weren't had the ability. I mean, now I can say, hey, Alexa, listen to 1010 wins and uh, 1010 wins is on my phone or wherever. Or we didn't know back then how to be savvy about how to pick up the local media information. Now you can have local media information wherever you are with an AccuWeather app, with the information that's coming from the National Weather Service. So that's good. And so I think, you know, those are kinds of things, you're right, making progress. But, you know, I think as a family, if you're going, especially in the next couple of months, you're going to places where uh, you're going to be possibly encountering severe weather, and you're from an area where your kids have never experienced that situation, it's good to have a talk with them about that or, or any kind of weather thing, right, Tom, as you go through, you know, let's let's get that information now from the parents down to the kids about these are the things that we need to do in this situation. When you hear the siren or when you hear this, these are the things that you need to prepare for. So they're coming at a position of kind of being informed just as much as the parents are. I think it touches on that that third point in the Weather Ready Initiative, the Weather Ready Nation initiative that Doug talked about with the family communications plan. When you have your family unit surrounding what you're going to do for a disaster, talking about it, normalizing it, going through and practicing that safe place when you're when you're in a blue sky condition so that you can go there through routine, you start developing really good habits. If, if you as a parent are starting to teach your child that you shelter for warnings, you're developing a really good habit that they're going to listen to the professionals when they need to. Um, I remember very distinctly as a kid, every time we got a tornado warning, we went to our shelter in Houston. And the one time that we didn't, the one time I was about 10 years old, there was a squall line crushing us from the West and there was a tornado warning out. I was running up and down the stairs, trying to drag all of my siblings back into the, the little interior closet that we had. Uh, and I had to grab them by the collar of their shirt to pull them down because my parents had ingrained in me. Look, when you hear the siren, when you see the warning, go to shelter. It's all about habit. It's all about routine and practice. That's Tom Bedard from AccuWeather, and we're also talking with Douglas Hildebrand from the National Weather Service, the lead on Weather Ready Nation, which, you know, AccuWeather was one of the uh, foundational partners of that initiative back in 2014. So we're proud to be kind of a, a partner with with the folks here. Um, Doug, you have something coming up here on April 6th that is uh, pretty cool. It's called Safe Place Selfie Day which we yes. challenge uh, people to take and the time and look in their houses where the safe places would be uh, for uh, severe weather. Let's talk about that a little bit and, and why the self uh, the safe place selfie day is so important in kind of reinvigorating uh, that information to folks. Great. So it's literally my favorite time of year. We've been doing this for about five or six years. It keeps growing and growing uh, over social media and the concept is simple. And I think that's why it works is take some time, find your safe place, whether you're at home, whether you're at work, you know, so there's, there's your business connection, Tom. Uh, you could be at the gym. Uh, you could be at your, you know, children's soccer game and, and the exposure to, to lightning and, and, a, and a squall line, that type of thing. You know, it, it, hazards and, and weather events, you know, aren't convenient, right? They, they strike in the middle of the night. So you have to be able to identify quickly without hesitation where your safe place is. And so this Safe Place Selfie campaign asks you to do three things. Know your risks in your area, uh, find your safe place, take a selfie, 
and then post it on social media. Challenge others. Use the hashtag SafePlaceSelfie. Uh, we've been reaching over 240 million impressions over Twitter last year. And uh, it is preparedness in action, which actually is, is rare to you know, really get people to capture their preparedness uh, action. Tom's been been you know really stressing this drilling and and practice makes improvement. That's mm. what we're looking. And and I think it's really starting to bear out too. I've been in my travels of late. When you get into some of these newer uh, hotels and other big buildings, they've really been doing a good job, and the architects and the building planners to kind of help you with that. This is a safe place. This is the shelter in place area. You can certainly tell when you're in an area that's susceptible to severe weather because you see that a lot. And, you know, that needs to probably become more the norm. Uh, and, and I think we're seeing that in businesses, too, even ones that uh, are retrofitting their older buildings with abilities for people to be safe and have a safe place. Tom, is, is that something that you're seeing as you work with our AccuWeather for Business clients? Yeah, we're starting to see a lot more, especially at the corporate level, a lot more corporate business continuity executives are caring a lot more about where their facilities are sheltering. And we're having that conversation a lot more, um, especially after recent tornado events, people are checking to make sure their shelters are good, they're stocked, um, they're still stable as they can be, and that staff know how to get in there and out of there quickly. I think a lot of times you find uh, tornado shelters that end up being these beautiful, big, vacant rooms that you can store things in. And getting stuff out like hazardous chemicals, bleach, cleaning detergents, things like that are important before the season. So even as you're going through making sure that you've got a good shelter, you still have to go back, check through it to make sure that it's still going to be a reliable shelter with no hazmat when you need it. And what about the home, Doug? What are some things that, I mean, you know, to me, it's common sense. You need to make sure a flashlight, uh, you know, even when you're going to bed in a situation where there's tornado or possible tornadic activity for the overnight hours, you probably should have uh, uh, your clothes and your shoes and everything else handy, right? Yeah. So you're not walking or running out into damage or anything with bare feet. Exactly, right? That's right. And, and a lot of these preparedness actions, you know, they're low cost or no cost, right? I mean, to participate in Safe Place Selfie, you know, doesn't cost a thing. Uh, so, so these preparedness actions, low cost uh, household items that you can pull together. And, and that flashlight that you mentioned, it needs to be at your nightstand, right? You, you don't put it where you need to go. You need to keep it so that you can use it because in the middle of the night, your power, you can't assume anything. Uh, so we really focus again on those fundamentals, sort of very pragmatic tips um, and in doing the right thing. You know, the bike helmets shouldn't be in the garage next to the bikes. They should be pulled ahead of time, put into that safe place that you have, you know, again, an extra layer of, of, uh, of defense here. And then, uh, you know, the other thing I think is we need to make sure that people understand that different threats require different action. I mean, you would want to be in as low a place as possible as you can when it's just a tornadic threat. But if it's not only a tornadic threat, but you're having flash flood, downpours and rain, that low spot may not be the best place to be. So you got to kind of take 
uh, everything into account. And I mean, I think that's the problem sometimes that some of these things, they just have so many options for people to have problems and they get overwhelmed and then they just kind of shut down a little bit. So, you know, kind of, I think we're good at AccuWeather and, you know, the National Weather Service is too, of trying to, when we talk about the threats of severe weather, really try to talk about what those are, whether it's damaging winds or tornadoes, whether it's uh, significant rain, which isn't in the uh, true definition of what a severe storm is, but severe storms most likely will provide some amount of rain and a lot of times repeated downpours. And then obviously the wind gust, whether it's straight line and those kinds of things and hail, the huge hail uh, we're seeing more. I, I think we're seeing, or is it me or are we seeing more and more large hail events that are going on in the severe weather world over the last decade or so? I, I know that in the severe weather world with climate change, uh, one of the things that we can absolutely concretely point to are those really heavy rain events and when you mark those together with, with tornadoes, Dean, like you said, you get into a really hairy situation where you've got catastrophic flash flooding and you've got a tornado on the ground. Um, we're starting to see more of those really heavy rain events from climate change. You can look back at Ida from last year in the tri-state area for indication of it. But there is there are very few scenarios that you as a company can't talk through. So you can figure out what's going to happen when you've got a flash flood warning concurrent with the tornado warning. Talk that through with employees, with managers and supervisors. Figure out what you're going to do so that when the event actually happens, you just bring out the plan or you ask everybody to remember last Tuesday when you ran the exercise on it. And there's so many resources out there, whether you work with a company or or the Weather Ready Nation. Uh, talk to me, Doug, a little bit about where people can go in their own right just individuals. Uh, there are some good websites from the National Weather Service to go to specifically, and we can put these in our notes section as well in terms of where they can go to get kind of basic information if they need that little primer or want to show it to their kids or say, here, kids, here's something you can do for a fun project. What are the things we need to do to help prepare? You can help us do it too. Give us a, a couple of examples of that. Absolutely. So, so one from the National Weather Service, we have our Weather Ready Nation website, and it's just weather.gov you know, forward slash WRN or Weather Ready Nation. There's also, you know, FEMA provides uh, a lot of uh, information, not just on weather hazards, but but hazards of all kinds, uh, including cyber, you know, preparedness um, at, at ready.gov. So that, that's an easy uh, website to remember, ready.gov. And so, you know what? What we have from a from a, a government perspective are, you know, just a lot of resources, infographics, you know, even post uh, social media uh, messages that if if you want to be a force multiplier and, and sharing that out over social media, that all of our content is freely available. You're able to download it, use it uh, in your messaging, and we really encourage people to you know be an example you know, engage loved ones, engage, you know, the, the most vulnerable, you know, elderly, low mobility, people with disabilities. Those are people who are impacted the most, you know, so everyone listening can, can be a, be a hero and save lives through just serving as an example. And obviously if you're working within a business or a company and you know, um, maybe you can be a, a force multiplier and say to your management, hey, you know, I, I don't feel like we have a great plan here. 
Can we work with somebody to kind of come up with that? And that's when uh, maybe you suggest that uh, your manager or your company owner calls Tom or the folks in AccuWeather for business or or that. And and then that's uh, so you, you can do it not only in that local home level, but in your place of work, too, because I, I've talked to some people that are saying, you know, uh, we, we never we never react right, I think, in our place of business when we're coming to a severe or an extraordinary weather situation. Tom? Yeah, uh, AccuWeather for Business is is excellent with doing tabletop exercises. We can develop training seminars for your 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 business. The three things that I recommend to every business is have a annual training on severe weather. Make sure all new employees are trained in your severe weather protocols. Review those protocols every year, post orders, whatever you call them, and then exercise them against a realistic scenario and have somebody ideally from the outside come and facilitate that so that you as a safety manager can sit and participate in it and you don't have to worry about managing the whole thing yourself. Um, I just got back from doing uh, several training sessions at the International Association of Venue Managers where we talked about all of this. So, so test, train, review, do it every year. It doesn't take too long and get a weather vendor in there if you want to outsource that work, because we've got all of the expertise across the industry to help you build it, build it quickly, and then move on with your life onto your next threat. Doug alluded to cyber. That's a really hot topic right now. And that's something that takes a heck of a lot more planning and attention. Weather can be simple. We can get in there, help you, and then get out very quickly. All right. As I wrap this time up, I wish we had more time to talk because you guys, I know, are so passionate about things, but uh, just some final thoughts. And I think one of those is uh, just what we need to do and our mindset of how we get prepared. Doug, give me some final thoughts from you here from the National Weather Service and the Weather Ready Network perspective. Absolutely. And so, you know, the, the take home message, I think, is weather preparedness and weather safety is a 365 day a year mindset. We've seen, you know, these devastating tornadoes in December. Wildfire season is not even becoming a season anymore because they have <laughs> right. all 12 months. It's unlocked, so unfortunately, you right? Can't, you can't have barriers to what, what is possible or not possible. You got to be prepared all 12 months, all 365 days. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that because, uh, you know, in the old days we would ease in and out of seasons and now we just kind of flip from one to the other. And you're right. Uh, we have different kinds of problems that we would normally associate severe weather in the spring. We're seeing in the winter and other times. So, right. I, I do think this is a good time, though, to think about because this is going to be a. Uh, you know, a really kind of driven situation with the severe weather aspect, with the thunderstorms, the flooding downpours, the damaging winds next couple of weeks. But you're right. I mean, it's not going to be too long where you're going to start talking about if you're in the southeast or along the Gulf Coast or the Atlantic seaboard, you can tell your kids that we need to have a a hurricane plan or a a tropical system plan. And of course, that goes right in line with AccuWeather for Business and people in the business world. They got to keep planning and thinking 365 days a year as well. Tom. Yeah. And it's the perfect time of the year to revisit your plan. Uh, Take the time now during severe weather awareness week, review all of your hazards. Doug touched briefly on uh, brush fires, wildland fires. I was up at one in central Kansas last week and can attest to what he's saying. That season is every day of the year. And if you have employees living out in rural communities, it can be a life changer for them in just a matter of seconds. Well, Doug, thanks so much for being with us uh, here at AccuWeather. Uh, I know, uh, 12,000 WRN ambassador organizations. And as I said, we're one of the original ones back to 2014. And we are so glad to be a part of that. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for putting up with me and Tom. 
who you can't see <laughs> no. this, folks, but Tom and I wore the same outfit today because we've uh, <laughs> we've known each other for too long. Uh, but Doug, it's great to have you with us, and we thank the National Weather Service. I think you know we're so fortunate in this company. We talk about this a lot to have this great relationship between the public, private, university sector, and uh, the work uh, through the National Weather Service and AccuWeather. We really appreciate it, and thanks for being with us here today. I appreciate it too. And, you know, the American weather enterprise is strongest in the world. It is. It's one of the best in the nation. Tom, thanks for being with us. Friends, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to get a little bit of a look at this upcoming weather weekend and the week beyond. And it's a wild one with an amazing turnaround from spring to winter and a storm that could cause uh, damaging winds, snow, and sliding around. Uh, We'll talk about that coming up. You're listening to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Plan your day with confidence and find out what the weather means for you. Join AccuWeather meteorologist Bernie Reno Monday through Friday for Weather Insider. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Here our second series episode in our spring series Again, so much thanks to Doug Hildebrand of the National Weather Service and Tom Bedard from AccuWeather and getting us ready for severe weather. And we have some of that on the map for this upcoming weekend and the week beyond. We certainly have a very interesting storm situation. So we welcome in uh, AccuWeather meteorologist Dan DePodwin, our manager of forecast operations at AccuWeather. And uh, Dan, let's start with the severe weather that we're expecting from this really complicated storm that's going to create a lot of issues, but right off uh, severe weather as we drop this podcast on Friday for late in the day, Friday and into Saturday morning, areas in the southeast are going to see flooding downpours, possibility of hail, isolated tornadoes and damaging wind gusts of 80 miles per hour is our AccuWeather local storm max in those. And you run a line from Mobile up to Atlanta through Charlotte and up along even into the Delmarva and then all along the coast to about central Florida. That seems like the area that could get some severe weather here to lead off this weekend. Yeah, Dean, it's the real classic uh, spring type of storm here where you've got all types of hazards from the snow that we'll talk about in a minute on the cold side to the severe weather. And this time of year, you start to really see that moisture return from the Gulf of Mexico. You've got dew points that are rising. So you got a lot of moisture in the air and a very, and you still have a very strong jet stream. So strong winds aloft and you combine those two things together and you can get some pretty good severe weather, uh, whether it's in the plains, like we saw earlier last weekend, or if it's in the Southeast, which is what we expect uh, to end the week into uh, the weekend along the Southeast coast, Carolinas, the main threats being damaging winds, probably could get a couple spin up tornadoes as well. And that threat really extends all the way up towards the uh, southern New Jersey coast by early Saturday morning with the uh, that strong storm as it starts to move off into the northeast. Yeah, we didn't even thought there might be some thunderstorm potential even as far north as New York City. I, I'm not seeing that as much in the last iterations of the models before we dropped this on Friday. But yeah, all the way up on the seaboard. And then behind that, we'll, we'll get to the, the rest of this big storm over the weekend in a minute. But just to mention that there's a couple little kind of, uh, well, one area of uh, low pressure diving through the southeast. It could give us some isolated uh, pockets of severe weather in the, the Arklatex late Monday, Monday night. And then that moves into the Gulf Coast uh, from Mississippi eastward Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night. So Dan, this idea that you know, Paul Pasolak, we heard from him at the beginning of the podcast, and 
certainly all of our long range team. I mean, this is going to be a busy, severe weather season, not only in the places we expected, but other places too. Uh, more and more areas, uh, Dan, to me, get more and more convective as we get into this warmer climate situation that we're seeing evolve in front of us here over the last several years. Yeah, we've definitely seen that in the last couple of years, Dean, especially out of season two, where we saw that very significant severe outbreak last December. As you mentioned here this week, we're looking at a potential for severe weather Monday, Tuesday down in the um, in the lower Mississippi Valley. Uh, and really, you know, b- between, you know, this is pretty common this time of year to start seeing those different types of events. And I think we're going to see that uh, activity continue over the next couple of weeks with recurring disturbances moving across the southern part of the country. Also have to be concerned about more rain in the Florida panhandle, parts mm-hmm. of southern Georgia early next week, where they right. just had a pretty wet week, which yep. was good news for some of the wildfires they had. But now we may be more dealing with uh, recurring rainfall leading to some flooding problems, especially as we head through next week. Yeah, it doesn't take long sometimes for <laughs> what we sometimes say is beneficial rain to turn problematic. Rain turning into problems is going to be a theme in the Northeast where there's a lot of places that are going to start as some rain, but then flip over to snow. Um, there's been a lot of talk about this storm. I mean, early on, this looked like it could be a real, real big one for parts of the Appalachians. But now the focus for the heaviest snow situation seems to be a little trending east as we drop this. Um, so I think some of the heaviest snow amounts we may see Poconos up through upstate New York and in interior parts of New England, as any early rain goes over to snow, there's still a lot of uh, questions about how far this cold air gets into the big cities, turning it over to snow, whether it's impactful snow. But whether or not you get uh, two or one or a coating or two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 inches in some of those interior parts of the Northeast, the big story about this storm is the rapid drop in temperature that we're going to see during the day Saturday and into Saturday evening, especially along the eastern seaboard. It's going to take this rain situation like in New York City and Boston and try to flip it over to some snow at the end and really icy conditions developing. Um, a March rapid freeze up isn't something that's very common, but it's certainly something we could see up and down that uh, east coast here later on as we get through Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be a very nasty day to travel Saturday anywhere, basically from the uh, central Appalachians or even the southern Appalachians. The mountains in North Carolina, Virginia are still going to get over six inches of snow with this storm as well. That extends all the way up then through the um, places you spoke about, Dean, and anywhere in those spots can have very uh, treacherous travel Saturday, Saturday night. Temperatures falling through the 30s into the 20s. We'll have teens and single digits in part of the interior northeast on Saturday night with also dangerous wind chills. A pretty anomalously and unusually cold air mass for this time of year. It's quick hitting. It'll get out pretty fast, milder right. by Monday, but it's going to cause a lot of problems when it comes in Saturday as that heavy rain in some parts of the I-95 corridor from D.C. to New York changes over to snow before ending. I actually think the the best chance for appreciable couple inches of snow right now actually is probably in D.C. and Philadelphia with a, a bit of a lesser chance in New York City, but it can still end as snow there in the city itself. Right. And and it's not like it's going to be very windy, gusts 40, 50 miles per hour as that cold air is rocketing in. And I know, I mean, sometimes that can tend to dry things out, but I think there's just going to be a lot of wet sloppiness that, you know, if you're not careful and you're out too long in the evening, even the city, if you don't get that uh, more than a coating or an inch, it is going to turn very icy in spots. But uh, like you said, the good news, Dan, is that lifts out pretty quickly. I mean, it's cold and blustery on Sunday. But already places to the south and east are, you know, seeing that uh, warm up and there's a nice surge of some mild temperatures as we get into the early part of next week. All that heat 
that's going to be uh, over the dry, warm areas in the southwest part of the United States starts to work its way eastern, eastward. Uh, one other quick note for areas in the northwest, there's an area of low pressure, a little kink in the jet stream coming in there. So some coastal rains and some uh, elevational snows in the Pacific Northwest as we get into the weekend. Yeah, that's a good point. It's uh, turning active again in that area, which is good news after a very quiet um January into February in parts of that area, it's, it's gotten much more active lately, which is good. Unfortunately, that doesn't extend further south. We're still going to be pretty dry in parts of the southwest in California. We get warm and dry again, so that's not good news where they really do need the rainfall. But much of the country next week through, I really think much of the week is pretty mild, um, especially the middle and the eastern thirds of the country uh, are probably five to 10 degrees at least mm-hmm. above normal. So another taste and of spring too, know, right? Sustained. Like it, Yep. It doesn't it what we've been having is these flips back and forth the last few weeks. Um, but this seems like this kind of evens out, steadies out for a little bit. We could use that, though. I mean, it's yeah. been pretty volatile, right? Absolutely. All right, Dan. So the keys to this weekend, if you're in the uh, Great Lakes uh, over into the Northeast. Well, the other thing to watch in the Great Lakes, there's another little clipper uh, that could come through later Sunday into early Monday. And so northern parts of the Great Lakes could get clipped with some snow and some problems there. Uh, But the rest of us, I think the key is if you're in the Northeast, know where you are in terms of the time of the day, how much precipitation and when that changeover to either rain or snow is going to be. And when the temperatures are going to fall, you know, look at and listen to AccuWeather.com and media and follow those hourly temperatures. I think that's going to be a big key as we get into the weekend. And then uh, hopefully uh, things do calm down a little bit next week. I know it's been awfully busy. Dan, thanks so much. I know you need to get back to the uh, the forecasting as we look at this storm for this weekend and week beyond. Thanks so much for spending time here on Everything Under the Sun. Absolutely. Thanks, Dean. Friends, that'll do it for our episode this week. Thanks again to Doug Hildebrand from the National Weather Service, Tom Bedard from AccuWeather, Paul Pastelock and Dan DePodwin, and all of our hundreds of team members across the world that work to weatherproof your life on our AccuWeather app, on our AccuWeather.com website, on our AccuWeather network, our AccuWeather Now broadcast, and all of our media partners across the world. Thanks so much for all they do, and thank you for listening to Everything Under the Sun. We'll be back next week, Episode 3 of our spring series. We'll spend a little time in the stars and talk about anything else where the weather meets your life. This is AccuWeather.com's Everything Under the Sun, our podcast from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.